Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to This is the Jet Life with Dan Burnham, your guide to the New York Jets sports and much more. And now, your host, Dan Burnham. What is up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of This is the Jet Life. Today's podcast episode coming to you following a New York Jets victory at home against the Chicago Bears. The Jets win 31-10 behind who else but Mike White. Last season's hero in Cincinnati comes back to do it again, beating the Bears in his first game of this season. The Jets go to 7-4. They're back in the playoff race for the wild card. They're back in the division race. They got some big games upcoming against Minnesota, then the Buffalo Bills, and the Jets are riding with Mike White right now. He's the hot hand, Zach Wilson. Didn't even suit up for this game. He's got a lot to learn, a lot of stuff to work on, maybe some maturing to do. But right now, as the reins are passed to Mike White, the Jets are on a hot streak. White played a fantastic game. The defense did what they do, albeit against a Trevor Simeon-led Bears team that was depleted of so many people offensively and defensively. But the Jets win this one. It feels good. Something nice, something new to talk about here. Actual good quarterback play, good wide receiver performances in this game, good passing game, all that. And, uh, and yeah. I can't wait to get into it. I apologize. This podcast is coming to you a day late. I had the flu after Thanksgiving. Probably get it from my niece and nephew. Those little kids are really, really good at sneezing directly into my open mouth when I give them hugs and things. Um, they're like the only things on the planet that can sneeze without like doing a, a fluttery eye blink before doing it. There's no tell whatsoever. It's just like they're looking at you smiling and then poof, right in your face. And a couple of those, two days later, I think I got the flu. Um... I was down for the count, was not able to do the podcast yesterday. I'm doing it today. I apologize, I sound a little bit under the weather. I also have what I refer to as pudding brain, which is basically my brain is made of pudding. I can't formulate thoughts the way I normally would just because of the illness. I had a fever for three days, and I apologize in advance for any weird stuff that I may mess up, either during the recording or in post, if I, like, splice two things together that don't belong. I have no idea what's going to happen. But we're going to get through this one, talking about positive stuff. Before we do, I need to remind you to rate, review, subscribe to this podcast anywhere podcasts are found. The podcast title is Gang Green Nation Podcast. The series title is This is the Jet Life. You can also follow me on Twitter at Jets underscore Dan. Today's podcast is going to be audio only because, like I said, I'm under the weather. If I was feeling good, Paycheck and I were probably going to do a video this one, but 
I'm not. Next week, I'm leaving for Florida on Wednesday, so whether or not it's going to work out with my schedule then remains to be seen. It's It's been kind of uh, a lot of work to try to get the schedules aligned with, with Paycheck and me to do the video ones, but when we can, we will, especially if the Jets win. We'll see what we can do. Keep you posted on that. Follow me on Twitter for updates. And let's get into this thing. We're going to do our usual sections, positives, negatives overall. i got a father time for my dad. We're going to talk AFC East to see where we stand there. We're going to talk playoff picture, specifically wild card, to see where we stand there. Then we're going to do our offense, defense, and special teams reviews from the Chicago Bears game. Then we're going to talk quick preview of the Vikings, do a what's on tap, close this thing out. So without further ado, let's get into it. Starting with the positives. And the first one is the obvious, the Jets win. Jets are 7-4, and four, back in the winning column. They, they needed to beat this Bears team. Honestly, when you look at what happened, especially with the Bears in this game, they're playing Trevor Simeon instead of Justin Fields. Trevor Simeon has an oblique pull in warm-ups, and it's almost Nathan Peterman, who's one of the worst quarterbacks. He's like Christian Hackenberg level bad, and he almost started the game against the Jets. Trevor Simeon fought through the oblique pain that he had, ended up playing the entire game, but they missed Jaquan Brisker, starting safety, Kyler Gordon, starting cornerback. They lost their best safety, Eddie Jackson, in this game. They lost Darnell Mooney, their best wide receiver, in this game. They're already playing without Roquan Smith and Robert Quinn, both of whom they traded earlier this year. It was not a good cast for the Bears, and this is basically the worst team the Jets are going to play the entire season. This was the softest opponent, and it was a good opportunity for the Jets to get right, to get Mike White comfortable, to get you know some positivity going around the team because there was a little bit of negativity from the whole both Patriots games, really. And keep in mind, like, the Jets have been really, really good outside of those Patriots games. But they do it again this week. Some new faces in there. Um, it was really nice to see Zonovan Knight getting a chance to play. I know it came because James Robinson was a healthy scratch in this game. Not sure the exact reasoning behind that. Maybe he's a little bit banged up. Perhaps they don't like his uh, pass blocking as much. They wanted to give a guy like Zonovan Knight a chance. But it was a lot of Zonovan Knight in this game, his first time running. He had 14 carries for 69 yards, also threw in 34 receiving yards. So 103 scrimmage yards in his NFL debut. That was awesome to see. And that was an undrafted free agent that I was really excited about in preseason and in training camps. And I was like, he's got to be a guaranteed 53-man roster guy. we got to have him on this team. And here he is getting his chance. We're seeing why. He also was pretty good in the kick return game. We didn't get to see it in this one. He had one return. wasn't super impressive. But in preseason, he was looking really good there. So Zonovan Knight could be an asset for the Jets moving forward. That's something to be happy about. Another guy, young guy, rookie, Max Mitchell was back out there. Cedric Ogbui started the game at right tackle, um, and then he got injured. Max Mitchell came in, played really well. Happy to see him there. So Max Mitchell back on the field is a good thing. The crowd at JetLife Stadium was electric. I honestly think that this was the loudest I've heard them all season, at least through the broadcast. It came out that way as the best J-E-T-S Jets, Jets, Jets chance the loudest, um, I think they added in like an NHL goal horn after the Jets touchdowns, that big eh, that they would do in the NHL. Now doing it for the Jets, I hope that's something that stays because that's a pretty cool thing they do. Another good positive note is the playoffs are back on, right? Super Bowl back on. We were down for a minute. We were at seven and we were at six and four. Outside of the playoffs, the Patriots ahead of us in the eighth spot, like, oh, shoot, we got to find a way to do something, and Zach Wilson is struggling. Now the Jets are right back in. The Patriots had lost on Thursday, so good shape for the Jets again. And then lastly, the passing game was electric, and Mike White gave us something to be happy about. Mike White threw 315 yards, 22 for 28 on passing. He had three touchdowns, no interceptions. 
He had 149 quarterback rating. By the ESPN scale of 100, it was a 91 quarterback rating. This is one of the best Jets quarterback performances we've seen. It was the best game of the Jets season, passing. It was Mike White's best game of his career. Across the board, it was awesome. And the receivers were good. Elijah Moore was back involved. Garrett Wilson had a huge game. Awesome to see. So tons of positives around this game. And of course, the Jets win 31 to 10. Awesome. You go over to the negatives of this game and where the Jets are right now. First thing, already mentioned it, the Bears are the softest team on the Jets' schedule. This was the game they had to do all this stuff. This was the game that the quarterback had to come alive, the wide receivers, everybody had to be clicking on all cylinders. The opponent allowed for it. We're playing at home. A lot of things were on our side except for the rain. Another negative is there's a lot of good teams in the AFC with a lot of good records. It's getting to the point where it's like you have to win basically every single game right now to stay in the mix. If the Jets had lost to the Bears here, they wouldn't be standing in the playoffs right now. They'd be on the outside looking in. Then next week we got to play the Vikings, followed by the Bills. If the Jets don't win a bunch of games down the stretch here, we're going to fall out and may not see ourselves back in that playoff race. we got to find a way to keep winning games every single week. It's super important because those teams, the Bengals and the Ravens and the Patriots, Dolphins, Bills, these teams keep winning around us. And the teams behind us, like the Chargers, they're still scary. So the Jets have to find ways to win. Tough AFC right, AFC right now. Next negative thing is like what we saw from Mike White, Zach Wilson is so far from being able to do that. And that's a super negative thing for him because we're trying to like figure out all these young players and these rookies and we've got you know a somewhat new offensive scheme as Michael Floor was doing it for the first time last year. Now he's bringing it in this year. And it's kind of a new situation, new cast of characters and everything, a revolving door on the offensive line. And there were a lot of excuses made for Zach Wilson as he's winning specifically. Like, well, he's not turning the ball over. You know, he's not taking a bunch of sacks. He's finding ways to elude pressure, get the ball out of bounds, not having those really dumb turnovers. So we're giving him benefit of the doubt because the Jets are winning behind what he's doing at quarterback. The second Mike White comes in, albeit against a bad Bears team, Mike White operates his offense so freaking efficiently like we've never seen before, even on that first drive. It was all dump-offs to the running backs and check-downs to the tight ends, little screen passes, quick little slants. But he was doing it so well, so quickly, and so precisely with confidence and stuff. You've never seen that from Zach Wilson. You've never seen him comfortable in there. You've never seen him operate the offense like that. And we've been saying it time and time again this year. Zach Wilson's best when he's taking quick drops and throw. Quick, quick throw. But why can't he do it regularly? Mike White had no issues doing that, and the second he didn't have a quick one, two, three throw... He would roll out, find a guy downfield. He hardly even had to throw the ball away in this one. He was finding people open all over the field. And all season long, we've been looking at the All-22 film and seeing clips from other people of Jets wide receivers running wide open. There's been numbers on Garrett Wilson's separation, one of the highest separations in the entire league for wide receivers against their coverage, but still Zach Wilson's not finding him open very often. People like Denzel Mims running wide open down the field, not getting the ball. But Mike White comes in, he finds the guys open all game long, the Jets' offense feasts, and why can't Zach do that? The, you know, we don't know if Mike White is the future or not. We do still, we did still kind of hope that somewhere in there, Zach Wilson would be able to find something to get to that next level, grow, mature, work on his footwork, come back and be the best version that he could be and take the Jets to the promised land. But when you see the disparity between the two players, like, man, Zach Wilson is so far off, and Mike White made it look so easy. I mean, I have never been lower on Zach Wilson as a quarterback for the Jets than I am right now. Watching Mike White play that game, I haven't been high on Zach Wilson all year. But after watching Mike White play that game, it's like I I don't really know how you can put that guy back in there until Mike White really starts to melt down. 
And then you're at that point just like, all right, well, at least let's give it to the guy. We've got an investment in and see what he can do for the future. So it's going to be a very difficult situation for the Jets coaching staff, for the organization to try to figure out how to manage these two quarterbacks if the Jets start to lose with Mike White. Obviously, when the Jets are winning, everything is good. It was the same thing when Zach Wilson was winning. Nobody cared that he was sucking. Second they start losing, oh my gosh, got to do something. Here we are now. Mike White's winning. Everything's good. Hunky-dory. The minute he starts losing and plays a horrible game, if he has a game like he had last year against the Buffalo Bills this year, everyone's going to be right back to the, well, what do we do? We can't with Mike White. Yada, yada. And it's going to be a nightmare there. The media's going to go crazy. The fan base is going to go crazy. The coaching staff's going to have to deal with all the questions from the media and... Uh, that's going to be kind of a nightmare, especially if the season starts to derail and the Jets find themselves outside of the playoffs. People aren't going to be talking about this as one of those positive seasons where all these great things come together. They're going to be talking about how the Jets melted down and the quarterback messed everything up, and I don't want to see that. So my overalls about this team, as it stands right now, is Mike White did exactly what he hoped, what we hoped he would do. Right? He put up the best quarterback performance that we've seen since the Cincinnati game last year, his first start for the Jets. He took the easy yards, he held onto the ball, he helped the defense out, he got the Jets a win, and this quarterback controversy is going to be loud and chaotic if the Jets start to lose. So the only way to keep that from happening is to keep winning. To do that, we got to ride the defense as we have been, find ways to get the playmakers the ball in the open field, and right now, Mike White and Michael Floor are showing that they can do that. The Vikings are going to be a very good test to see what we're dealing with in our quarterback and our offensive situation here. Bears, not a great litmus test, but a very good, you know, get comfortable, get acclimated to the 2022 season for Mike White. The Vikings are that middle of the road. They're a very good team. They're going to put up points. We're going to have to match it. It's not the best defense in the world, but they do have some guys in the back end, some guys in the front end, some decent defensive scheme. They got a defensive coordinator that's been in the league for like 30 plus years, knows what he's doing. So it's going to be a very cool matchup for the Jets. And luckily it's against a team that is not an AFC team that's going to directly impact your playoff, you know, Picture it the same way as losing to a team like in your division or your AFC would be if the Jets do end up losing this one behind a Mike White performance that isn't stellar. We shall see. So that is my thoughts on the New York Jets right now. Now we got to see what my dad thinks about the Jets in this week's Father Time. This is written by my dad, David Burnham, in this week's Father Time edition. And here we go. I remember saying, I just want to play a meaningful game in December. Well, here we are. And I guess I'm greedy because now I just want to play meaningful, meaningful games in January. Last Sunday, we finally saw a Jets quarterback that made consistent, on-time, and accurate throws. Granted, it was against a banged-up Bears team, but we won by 21 points, and it wasn't close in the second half. Special teams were excellent considering the weather conditions, and the defense wore out the Bears. And now we're back in the playoffs for this week. And we're traveling to Minneapolis to play the first-place Vikings. We need to win this game. There are lots of teams in the AFC East and outside the division that are nipping at our 7th place heels. We can hope for help with certain losses to certain teams, but really, we have to take care of business. To me, I think our Jets will score on Minnesota. Expect Mike White to have a good game. Mac Jones just threw for 382 yards and 2 touchdowns, so why can't our offense do something similar? The tricky part of this game is defending this offense. You have options and none are great. You can try to stop Dalvin Cook in the run game. Cook is not receiving as much as other years, but he's running well and he's formidable. Do you try to stop Adam Thielen and the best wide receiver in the NFL, Justin Jefferson? That's a very tall order. Because the Jets' corners don't switch sides, you're going to see DJ Reed on the tall Justin Jefferson, which will be tough for Reed on contested catches. And Thielen is a very good receiver too, let alone the tight end. 
So I believe our front four is the key. Cousins need to, needs to be under constant pressure, being forced to his specialty, the three-yard pass. No other team on the Jets' schedule this year has this wide array of offensive talent that the Vikings do. The Bengals are close, but Mixon doesn't pose the same problems that Cook will. This is going to be the most strategic game of the season for the Jets' defense. This means that Mike White and the offense need to drive and score in order to help. This is going to be a shootout, and Mike White needs to be ready to keep pace with this talented Vikings offense. Something new. The Jets' offense needs to help the Jets' defense. This looks to be a newfound dimension that has been lacking most Sundays, and Mike White is leading the Cavalry. This is going to be a barn burner. Go Jets. End scene. Whoa. And that last sentence had me fired up right away, saying this is going to be a barn burner. Dave Burnham calling for a big, big shootout battle? Mike White led Jets in Minnesota against the first place Vikings? That would be something to see. And this is a very cool matchup. Like he said, you got those cornerbacks versus those wide receivers. Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen versus Sauce Gardner and DJ Reed. That's going to be electric. You got our linebackers up against Dalvin Cook. You got our front pass rush going up against Kirk Cousins. And on the other side, you got Mike White coming back to see if he can stay hot using Garrett Wilson and Elijah Moore. Corey Davis back in the lineup. Zonovan Knight, welcome to the lineup. Ty Johnson running strong. There's a lot of good things in play here. And if the Jets can beat them, another big statement win, specifically one for Mike White, this is going to be a very, very exciting time to be a Jets fan again. We've been at this point so many times this year. It keeps becoming more and more exciting, it feels like, but then we kind of take one step back. Every time we lose, it's one step back. But then you get those wins. Man, I want this one bad. My dad says the front four is going to be the key. I agree. I'm going to talk about that on the uh, Vikings preview, but... Yeah, if we can get after Kirk Cousins early and often and make him uncomfortable and make him dump the ball off, three-yard passes and things, let our guys explode and get the guys in the kill zone before they can pick up big yardage, not let them look downfield, not let them get comfortable, and not let those receivers find the soft spots in the zone. Because you know Thielen can do it. You know Hawkinson can do it. Justin Jefferson can catch any contested ball against anybody it feels like. So you got to make Kirk Cousins uncomfortable, make him throw off platform, make him get rid of the ball in times when he doesn't want to. I agree with my dad. This is such an exciting time. He's fired up about Mike White. He thinks that he's going to lead this cavalry, and the New York Jets are going to be uh, in, a, in a shootout. Man, it gets me excited. So great father time, Dad. Really appreciate it. Now, before we go over to the next section, we do have to take a quick commercial break. All righty, and welcome back to This is the Jet Life. Next order of business is to talk quick AFC East check-in. We got the Dolphins in first place, 8-3. The Bills are also 8-3, tied with them, but the, Bill, the Dolphins have the head-to-head win. The Jets are 7-4, one game behind both. We do have a head-to-head win against both of those teams, so should we get to the same record, the Jets will be ahead. And then one game behind us with the matchup against us, the New England Patriots. So the Jets are in third place there. When you look at the upcoming matchups, you got the Buffalo Bills going to Foxborough to play the 6-5 Patriots on Thursday Night Football Amazon Prime at 8:15. That is a massive game. I mean, do you want the Patriots to lose and kind of take them out of the playoff race and one less team in the wild card mix? Or do you want to have the Bills potentially lose and the Patriots win so that the Jets would have the opportunity if they beat Minnesota and the Dolphins lose to be back in first place of the AFC East? There's a lot of different things that can happen here. Either way, uh, can't really be too unhappy with the result. Both teams deserve to lose. One team will have to win. Bittersweet, one way or another. The Dolphins, that matchup we talked about, they're going to be going to Santa Clara at 4.05 
to play on Fox against the 49ers. And the 49ers are a very good team. They're 7-4 and four right now, getting hot. And if they can beat the Miami Dolphins, it's going to be an interesting matchup there because uh, their coach, Mike McCarthy, is a former 49er. So there's a lot of, you know, knowing each other's in the systems. If the Dolphins lose that game and the Bills lose, the Jets have an opportunity to regain positioning in that AFC East. This is a huge week for the Jets to make up some ground. You look at the rest of the playoff picture, you got a few other teams the Jets have to look at. The Baltimore Ravens and Cincinnati Bengals are both 7-4. and four. One of those teams will win the division. One team's going to be in the wild card race. Then you got the Tennessee Titans. They're going to win their division at 7-4. and four. Nobody else in that division is really dangerous. The Kansas City Chiefs, they're 9-2. and two. They're going to win their division. And the Chargers are the team in that division that are 6-5. and five. we got to watch out for them. They're behind us looking for an opportunity. Got to keep rooting against the Chargers. Got to keep rooting against the Ravens and Bengals. And then everybody in that AFC East. It's crazy that the AFC East is the, t- the division that is just so freaking dominant. Every single team is over 500. It's the only division in the AFC that's doing that, and it's not something that we expected going in, but that's because these Jets are good. The Dolphins are way better than expected. Even the Patriots are hanging on somehow. So very exciting. The Jets are in the mix. you love to see it. Next order of business is to talk about the offensive performance in the game against the Bears where the Jets win 31-10. to And we are going to start with... The one and only White Lightning, Mike Effin White Baby, quarterback and offensive player of the game. This guy throws for 315 yards on 22 of 28 passing. He throws to 10 different receivers, which is where he ended, but he actually had 10 different receivers hit in the first half of the game. He had 149 quarterback rating, and he basically just dumped the ball off. I mentioned he did checkdowns, he did slant passes, he did running back flares and screens. He did tight end curls and check downs there. And then he found a couple deep intermediate throws here and there. Let the receivers do the work. He took advantage of what the Bears gave him, and he played freaking awesome. There were barely any balls that looked like they were going to be tipped or intercepted. He rarely had to throw anything away. He was only sacked one time, didn't have any fumbles, didn't look flustered or confused or out of sorts at any point in this entire game, even though it was pouring rain the entire time. He made it look like it was playing inside of a dome and he was having one of the best days you could imagine. What a game. He was offensive player of the game. There were a lot of guys that played well on offense, of course, but it was led by him. He was distributing it perfectly. He was doing everything we hoped we could see. You can't not give it to him for a performance like this. It was one of the best Jets performances I've seen in my life. Believe it or not, it was. we don't get many like this. This was like one of those Ryan Fitzpatrick games or maybe one of those Chad Pennington games from back in the day. Vinny Testaverde. There haven't been very many. Brett Favre had a couple. Man, to see it, to see it from Mike White, of all people, in a season where the, everything is very much alive and everybody's bought in and there's so many good young players and, and core pieces. Yeah, it was electric. The backup quarterback in this game was Joe Flacco. They elected not to have Zach Wilson be the backup. Zach Wilson's in street clothes. They said that they're going to keep him inactive. He's got to work on some footwork and stuff and try to get uh, some things right. They said it was a disservice to put him back on a football field without getting some of those kinks out of his game. So we'll see whether or not he's able to do that and get in the good graces of the team again to be suiting up to be the backup quarterback to Mike White in the near future, or if he ends up being the starting quarterback again, if Mike White gets hurt or struggles. A lot to come there in the quarterback situation, but right now, let's just enjoy the victory and see what happens against Minnesota. Looking at the running backs, Michael Carter didn't have a great game. He was limited. He's day-to-day right now with an ankle sprain. We elected to have a healthy scratch in James Robinson. So in this game, a lot of Zonovan Bam Knight. 
his very first game, getting 103 scrimmage yards. That's 69 rushing yards, 34 receiving yards, at 4.9 yards per rush, and he actually showed multiple nice blitz pickups in this game. I was really impressed with what I saw there. He also gave a sprinkling of touches to Ty Johnson, who had a big old 32-yard touchdown run. I didn't love the celebration as he was kind of like bragging to the defensive lineman that was running at him as he was going into the end zone. Didn't love that, getting a little too cocky for a guy that's like, you know, hanging on in the NFL. Yeah, this was a big run for him and getting everybody a little bit more excited about the Jets' rushing attack and the weapons that we have there. But all right, you know, do it with a little bit of grace, buddy. You go to the wide receivers in this game, they had 10 catches for 183 yards and three touchdowns on 15 targets. So 66% completion percentage on those targets. And yeah, it's only 10 catches. It wasn't like a ton of uh, receptions to go around, but 185 yards and three touchdowns. Wow, that's awesome. It was led by Garrett Wilson, who had a team-high eight targets, five catches for 95 yards, and two big touchdowns. The first one hit a nice breakaway, a little post route in the end zone. He was actually held on the play. looked like maybe a little bit of a push-off, but Garrett Wilson gets open, gets that one. And the next chance he gets, a ball thrown over the middle of the field, just over the linebacker's hands. Garrett Wilson catches the ball, jumping in the air. Eddie Jackson of the Bears goes down, the safety behind him, who probably would have come up and made the tackle, or at least made it interesting. But he's injured on the play, so Garrett Wilson's able to run into the end zone for an easy score. Man, big game for Garrett Wilson. His hot season continues. Elijah Moore was only targeted two times in this game, so it's not like he's getting a ton of looks now that Mike White's in the lineup. But on those two targets that he got, he caught both balls, 64 total yards, a touchdown, he had a big yak run, 42 yards. So you know he's feeling good. It wasn't probably the amount and the volume that he's looking for. He's probably looking for five, six, seven, eight catches, bunch of targets. But hey, at least he's getting back in the game, helping the Jets win, getting a touchdown, getting the highlights and everything that he's looking for. Everybody else pretty quiet in this game. We had a catch for Mims, Corey Davis, Braxton Barrios, but quiet. Tight ends, six receptions there for 67 yards, six targets. So 100%, every single thing that was thrown to the tight ends was caught. It was mostly just little screen passes and checkdowns. 50 of those yards went to Tyler Conklin. He had a great game putting his shoulder down, getting some extra yards. CJ Uzama had a really nice game blocking. He had one catch for 17 yards. So good game from our tight ends. Then you talk about the offensive line. You can't be unhappy with their performance, even though it's just a Bears front that's not super impressive. They only give up one sack in the game, and they give 158 rushing yards to the Jets on 4.9 yards per carry. Really, really nice to see. Cedric Ogbui was out. Max Mitchell's back in at right tackle. I like to see that. I think Max Mitchell's actually better at that position, even though Ogbui was serviceable. Nate Herbig, who was banged up last game, and Feeney came in. Herbig's back in at right guard. Love to see that. Herbig is obviously better than Feeney. And then Connor McGovern in this game, big shout-out to him. He was laying dudes out, really paving ways in the run game. A big reason the Jets were able to run for 158 yards. So great game from Connor McGovern, offensive line as a whole. Very, very happy with the offense in this game. Now we got to go over to the defensive side of the ball and see what happened over there. And we start with the fact that the Jets only gave up 10 points in this game. They played really, really well. Early in the game, it was a little bit of a struggle. Trevor Simeon drove down the field, and it was like, okay, is this going to be a shootout, or are we going to be able to stop these guys? But once they got a couple hits on Trevor Simeon, he had a you know an injured oblique and everything. They were playing a man down. Darnell, Darnell Mooney goes out, and uh, the Jets kind of took advantage after that. More of a bend-don't-break. They stopped him on a third-and-one quarterback sneak for a minus-two-yard loss. At the end of the game, on a third-and-goal, C.J. Mosley gets an interception to stop points there. 
So good opportunities for the Jets to take points off the board with some good timely plays. The defensive line, they only had two sacks. One was for Huff, who has become like this pass rush monster for the Jets. It feels like he gets in the backfield every single game for a big play. JFM had another one on a big stunt. My dad pointed it out. It feels like a lot of times the Jets put Nathan Shepard in the middle, who, you know, I'm no big Nathan Shepard fan. It feels like Nathan Shepard's going in the middle to play a defensive blocking system where he can go in and block, clog the middle, and allow JFM to stunt back to the inside and get through up the middle. And if he's right, I mean, that's working. I did watch the play, and that's what happened there. And that would be a nice role for Nathan Shepard to let the other guys shine. JFM having a good season. Quinnen Williams, he had his quietest game in a long time. We're used to seeing a sack or more from him. Um, quiet game for him. He did have a quarterback hit, one tackle in this game, but the defensive line overall, relatively quiet, pedestrian type of game. It wasn't a game where the Jets really had to blitz a ton. It wasn't an opportunity for the Jets to really get after it on third and longs a lot. Not a lot of sacks, not a ton of drama or action. It was more just an inept Chicago Bears offense. Pretty good running game from them, but that's about it. When you look at the linebackers, I'm going to give C.J. Mosley the defensive player of the game. I didn't think there was one guy on defense that really stood out to me. And C.J. Mosley had a good statistical game. He had a couple plays early on where I thought that he was maybe not running as hard as he should on some you know, intermediate passes and things to the tight end and to running backs. I thought maybe he could chase some guys down. thought they were kind of targeting his zone on some passes early on. But after that, he ended up playing really great. He had a quarterback hit, a pass deflection, led the team with 10 tackles. He's our team leader, of course. And that big interception at the end of the game that, you know, if he didn't get that there, the Bears could have easily been at 17 points in this game is all said and done. Maybe something else, you know, spicy happens. They get an onside kick or something, and they run the score up. It doesn't look quite as dominant as it was. C.J. Mosley getting that interception, the captain finally getting one in the books. Helps this Jets win 31-10, to make it look really, really good. Really proud of C.J. Mosley and the way that he closed this game out. Not so much about his start, but specifically about his finish. Other linebackers, Quincy Williams had some nice tackles. Uh, Quan Alexander, he had a nice strip that was unfortunately not picked up. It was picked up by Cole Komet. Jets had an opportunity there for a fumble. Didn't get it. The one thing I'll say about the linebackers is they really got to start watching those running backs that are coming out of the backfield because that could be an Achilles heel for them is Quincy Williams and C.J. Mosley are not great at covering like a really fast running back. They're going to be dumping the ball to guys like Dalvin Cook or one of these Naheem Hines of the Bills coming up. It could be trouble for us. We're seeing that kind of start to become a little bit more of a trend if they're throwing the ball to the running backs. You know, the Patriots did it a few times. Bears did it a little bit in this game. We don't want it to be too much of a habit. Talking about the cornerbacks in this game, it was a great game for the cornerbacks. Brandon Nichols had a bad tackle, but he's beside the point. You talk about Sauce Gardner and DJ Reed. Both of them had basically one less than stellar play. Sauce Gardner had a great breakup in the end zone. But then later in the game, he had a uh, pass interference on a ball to Chase Claypool that was actually caught for like 34 yards. So that was one of his worst plays of the season, believe it or not. It was just the one. But it's a situation where he was kind of tackling Claypool, didn't get his head around. And we want to make sure that he's just getting really good when he's in phase with the receiver. Get that head around, just that if you do make that contact, it at least makes it look a little bit more like you're playing the ball, not the receiver. You're going to get a lot more penalties if you don't turn that head. And then for DJ Reed, who's a smaller guy, the ball was chucked in there to Byron Pringle, who just ripped the ball right through DJ Reed. DJ Reed is tough and plays tough, but he's only five foot nine, and a big receiver like Pringle just ripped that ball out of him and actually got the first touchdown against DJ Reed of the season. So I guess that's kind of a bummer there. But overall, 
Really good game from the quarterbacks. Got to keep in mind, on 11 targets, the Chicago Bear wide receivers had six catches for 82 yards. They had that one touchdown, but they weren't feasting. Looking at the safeties, Joyner had an opportunity for his fourth interception of the season. It bounced out of his hands at the end of the game, but at the end of the day, it was a fourth down play, and the fact that he didn't catch it actually gave the Jets like 25 yards better field position, so it actually ended up helping the team that he didn't catch it. But it would have been nice just for like defensive morale to have him bring that one down. Um, Jordan Whitehead still played well. Really happy with our safeties this year. That is what we got for our offense and our defensive performances against the Chicago Bears in the Jets' 31-10 victory as they go to 7-4 and on the season, 3-3 three and three at home. Now before we go over to the special teams and Vikings preview, we do have to take a quick pit stop at the cooler for a little what's on tap. That is right, folks. This is what's on tap. And I mentioned I'm under the weather. I have been sick all weekend. This is like my first day back to drinking. Haven't been to the package store in a while. In reality, I needed something that was going to cater to my sickness and help me recover faster. I needed something hydrating. I don't drink enough water regularly. Now that I'm sick, it's like I need to drink more water. Still not drinking all that much. So I needed to find something as close to water as I could get. And for me, tonight, that is Coors Light. As cold as the Rockies. If you make it as cold as the... It's also as warm as my palm. Because I'm holding it in my palm. It's uh, pretty flavorless. The fact that I have a stuffy nose doesn't help. It's not that delicious. What drives me crazy about Coors Light is the can shape. I think that Coors Light is perfectly fine when you compare it to like a Miller Light and a Bud Light. It's probably a little bit better than a Bush Light. At the end of the day, they're all basically the same. But the can shape of a Coors Light just doesn't fit in the typical like koozies that I have. These these Yeti branded things that you twist the top on or the, the Brumates. So the fact that they try to be a, a little bit cute with their can shape, not really enjoying that portion of it. I think if they just like conformed to a normal can size so I could use the other koozies, very cool. That would be better. Um, it honestly is probably what limits me from buying more of them. I also have a beer fridge upstairs that is built for regular sized soda cans or beer cans. And since this one's slightly taller, it just doesn't quite fit the same way. So I don't know why they would want to knock out a segment of their market just by having a slightly taller, skinnier can. But whatever, that's what they want to do. They sell plenty of these things. That's fine. I'm drinking it, right? I still have it. Just not as often as the others. That is Coors Light. That is today's What's on Tap. That is hydrating. And no, it's not that much fun, but it's getting me through the podcast. And we will go on from there. Next week, I guarantee I'll be feeling better and we'll be doing something better. This is a, a low point on What's on Tap. Now, before we get to special teams and Vikings preview, we have to take a quick commercial break. Alrighty, and welcome back to This is the Jet Life. We're just going to talk special teams real quick against the Bears. And considering it was pouring rain, I was really, really pleased with what I saw from the special teams. Braden Mann started the game with a bobbled bad snap, and it was like a crazy play where it looked like he fumbled it, and the announcer's like, it's like a wet bar of soap, and everybody's dropping the ball, and it was ugly. But... In reality, Braden Mann actually did the right thing, and just got to make sure this isn't for my house. No, my house is not on fire. That's perfect. It is getting a little roasty in this room, so you never really know, but it sounds like that's going to a neighbor's house. Thank God. Let's see. So, Braden Mann, right, underhanded that ball, and it was incomplete, so he actually ended up saving like five, six, seven yards by doing that, so that was a smart play from him. But it's pouring rain, and it's super wet and sloppy conditions, so I don't blame him for dropping the ball there. After that, 
He made great holds, allowed Greg Zerline to have a great 57-yard kick, made a couple nice holds after that, and then also was able to have a couple beauty punts, one that landed on the one-yard line. It was a really nice redemption game from Braden Mann, who I think after last week I was like, man, he makes too many mistakes, he may have to go. And then to start this game with a bobbled snap, it's like, eh. And honestly, he still does make too many mistakes, but at least as he's on the team right now, he has enough great moments where you're like, damn, that's why we have this guy. And if he can take those bad negative plays out and just keep this good stuff, he's going to be a great punter for a long time. Any week could be the last time he does something stupid. And that's the time when it's like, hell yeah, he became an elite punter in the NFL. As of right now, he's gone three quarters without doing something stupid, and he's played really, really well. So I'm back on Braden Man. Let's go. Greg Zerline, we talked about that, that monster 57-yard boot. That kick in the pouring rain, that was going to be good from 67 yards. That was crazy how good that was. They call him Legatron for a reason. Unfortunately, he missed a 51-yarder later in the game, an easier kick. But, hey, in those conditions, we'll take the one for two from 57 yards. It was tied for the longest kick in Jets' uh, home history. Very cool thing. And then Braxton. Braxton is back, baby. And he's going to be our special teams player of the game because I'm loving when Braxton Barrios plays like this. The punt returns are such an important part of this Jets team because short fields, you know, picking up 20 yards on a punt return, just when you're talking about a typical drive that goes like 75, 65 yards or so to score a touchdown, and you're getting 20 yards on a punt return, you're cutting 33% of the yardage needed out. And Braxton Barrios is able to do that. That's why he was an all-pro punt returner last year. And this week he had two kick returns, didn't just fair catch every time. In the rain, caught every single thing cleanly and perfectly, but the two he returned... One for 22 yards, one for 16 yards. It was a 19-yard average, and it looked like Braxton Berrios of last year. It got the Jets upfield, it got the Jets in scoring range, and it helped us get points on the board. And when he does that, and the special teams all comes together, with the offense clicking and the running game going, and the defense staying strong, and the field position battle working well, I mean, that's this Jets oiled machine baby coming to take anybody down. Braxton Berrios, special teams player of the game. Love to see it from him. So good special teams performance overall from the Jets, especially considering the pouring rain monsoon conditions we had. Now we got to do our last section, and that's just talking about the Vikings this upcoming game. They're a really, really good team. 9-2 and two right now, first place in the NFC North. This game's going to be in Minnesota at 1 p.m. on CBS. The Jets opened up as three-point road dogs, which honestly is really, really, really good for the Jets because... Typically, you get like one and a half, two points just for being home. So that would be like the Jets being, what, a one, one and a half point underdog to the nine and two Vikings on a neutral field. And when I saw this, I'm like, you know, the Jets have been underdogs in every single game this year, playing against teams like, you know, the Browns and the Steelers and stuff, like teams that were definitely better then. But then all of a sudden, last week, the Jets were favored to beat the Bears. All right, that makes sense. Then this week, really, really close to being favored to beat the 9-2 and two Vikings, I'm thinking to myself, you know what, Vegas doesn't hate the Jets. Vegas hates Zach Wilson. And Vegas probably would, Vegas is almost always right. Vegas is probably right about him too. Why didn't we see it? Riding on the wall, baby. But the Jets in this one, three-point road dogs. This is an awesome matchup. I can't wait to see these two teams play. Talking about the coaches for the Vikings, first-year head coach Kevin O'Connell of the Vikings used to be a quarterback for the Jets, believe it or not. He was a quarterback from 2009 to 2011. He never played a game for the Jets. He was previously the offensive coordinator for the Rams for two seasons with Sean McVay. 
The assistant head coach for that team is Mike Penn. You may remember him as well because he was basically Rex Ryan's right-hand man for that defense. He ended up being the defensive coordinator of the Bills, Packers, some other big positions in the NFL. Their offensive coordinator is Wes Phillips. This is his first time being an offensive coordinator. He was previously the tight ends coach for the Rams with Kevin O'Connell over there in that system. And the defensive coordinator, Ed Donatelli, has been in the league for 31 years. This is his fourth stint as an NFL defensive coordinator. The guy has seen it all. Getting up there in age a little bit, perhaps, but he's seen it all. He's a veteran. Overall, you've basically got a young nucleus of offensive minds built around that Sean McVay-style offense. You've got gritty, hard-nosed defensive guys in Ed Donatel and Mike Pettin, and a pretty good coaching staff overall, even though their head coach, Kevin O'Connell, is first time in that position. Doing a really nice job. He's got that team to 9-2, and two, so you can't say uh, too much bad about that coaching staff. When you look at the offense of the Vikings, it starts with their quarterback, Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins is having a very Kirk Cousins-type season. He's got an 88 quarterback rating, 17 touchdowns, 9 interceptions, 2,700 passing yards. He's on pace for like that typical, statistically pretty good season, but not perfect. Wins a lot of games, but not all of them. He's right in the mix. He can be really, really good, you know, especially when he plays at like 1 p.m. hidden. But then you put him on a primetime game and everybody's watching and he plays like really bad. Sometimes he's just dumping the ball off three yards. He looks confused, frazzled, gets frustrated. Other times he's playing really great, leads comebacks, gets all fired up. He's all over the place, but... He kind of like nets out totally above average. He's like a, a total B-plus quarterback, and that's basically what he's been forever, and that's what he's going to continue to be. And it's not as scary as an A, A-plus quarterback, but obviously he's got the ability to be you know, somewhat, somewhat special on the field, um, especially with those wide receivers they have. Dalvin Cook, 4.7 yards per carry this year, 77 yards per game. His dad said he's not been as involved in the passing game so far this year. I think he's only got 160 receiving yards, which isn't a ton for Dalvin Cook, but this guy is an electric running back. He's able to break big runs. He's strong, fast, can catch. He's a do-it-all running back. Even their backup, Alexander Madison, is pretty good. The wide receivers, I agree with my dad what he said in the father time. Justin Jefferson is the best wide receiver in the NFL. I did not come into this season thinking that he was the best player, at least the best wide receiver in the league, but after seeing the catches he's been making, watching that Bills game, watching last week's game. He's coming down with three, four, five insane catches in every single game, and he's helping that team win time and time again. Perfect coverage. He's getting the ball. He's got 1,200 yards already, and he is an absolute nightmare matchup for the Jets. If they put him on DJ Reed, who's smaller, man, just watching him fight for the ball, similar to like what Byron Pringle did last week. Imagine that happening over and over again. It's possible. Put him on Sauce. Sauce is good, but that's a really, really hard cover. And the other guy, Adam Thielen, really good, timely veteran. Guy that knows how to get open, catches the ball, makes big plays. K.J. Osborne, their third receiver, even he's not that bad. They got a really good tight end in T.J. Hawkinson, who's kind of brought the Vikings tight end game to life. Irv Smith was their previous tight end after Chris Herndon didn't work out, believe it or not. Irv Smith was getting like 25 yards per game. They bring in um, T.J. Hawkinson. He's only played in four games, but he's averaging 50 yards per game. He's doubling the output of Irv Smith, and he's showing the Vikings that the tight end is now an important position within that team. He's actually getting two more yards per game than Adam Thielen, who's getting 48 per game. So Hawkinson is like the second biggest weapon on that offense right now in the passing game. Got to watch out for TJ Hawkinson. Tight ends have been pretty good against the Jets so far this year. When you look at the offensive line, it's Christian Derrissaw 
Ezra Cleveland, Garrett Bradbury, Ed Ingram, and Brian O'Neill. Christian Derrissaw is their best. He's their left tackle. He's questionable for this game. If he doesn't play, that would be very helpful for the Jets. Their offensive line is giving up the second most pressures from their interior offensive line of any team in the NFL this year. That's an opportunity for Quinnen Williams to feast. Quinnen Williams has been dominant this year. He had a quiet game last week. I'm sure he's pissed about that. But going up against this team with a weak middle, Quinnen Williams and whoever's behind him, if Sheldon Rankins is back, if Nathan Shepard's there helping stunt for John Franklin Myers, whatever the Jets have to do, we got a lot of different ways to go after you inside. we got a lot of different ways to go after you outside. Jets are going to have to get it done, make Kirk Cousins uncomfortable. It's a must in this game. When you look at the Vikings' defense, up front, they're not super strong. Their best defensive line rusher is Daniil Hunter. He's got seven sacks this year. He's been a veteran for a long time. He knows what he's doing. He gets after the quarterback. The rest of the off, uh, rest of the defensive line, not super spicy. When you look at the linebackers, their best pass-rushing linebacker is Darius Smith. He leads the team with nine and a half sacks. That guy is a weapon and can get after the quarterback, no problem. We remember him from Green Bay. He does, uh, and then actually from the Ravens as well. That's just a good player right there. Their other two linebackers are also really good. It's Jordan Hicks and Eric Kendricks. Both of those guys are solid. Then you look at their defensive backfield. A little interesting because they got two veterans in Harrison Smith at safety and Patrick Peterson at cornerback, who are both past their prime but still able to make big plays. Then they got two really young guys, a cornerback, Akilib Evans, who was a fourth-round rookie this year, and then Cameron Bynum, who was a fourth-round pick last year. Those two guys starting at safety and cornerback, respectively. They also have one of the worst statistical coverages against slot receivers in the NFL. Their slot corner does not cover slot receivers well. An opportunity for Elijah Moore to continue feasting. He had two catches this week. He had that touchdown. Mike White saw him. If he can get open again this week, go up against the slot cornerback that's very, very weak, that is a huge opportunity for the Jets. I am looking for Elijah Moore to have a big week for the Jets. Believe it or not, i got to make the playoffs in fantasy. I'm picking Elijah Moore up off of waivers, and I'm playing him this week because I believe in it. I believe in him. So when it comes down to it, my prediction for this game, I believe the Jets can get that interior pressure. I believe Kirk Cousins will be under pressure. He'll be forcing throws. He'll be uncomfortable. The Jets cornerbacks and those Vikings wide receivers are going to battle all day long. It's going to go back and forth. The Jets wide receivers, or the Jets cornerbacks will win some. Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, they'll win a couple. But the Jets hit that Vikings team hard on both sides of the ball. They hit them hard in the run game. They hit them hard with those yards after catch. Tight ends, Conklin bruising people. They hit hard on Kirk Cousins, on Dalvin Cook. They get to those kill points quick. They're hitting Justin Jefferson when he makes those catches. And they make a br- brutal, miserable day for the Vikings. I expect a shootout, as my dad said. I think the Jets win this one, grind it out 34-29 to 29 behind Mike White, Zonovan Knight, Ty Johnson, Michael Carter, Garrett Wilson. Gosh, so many weapons for this Jets team, all being used when Mike White's under center. Very cool. Very excited for this game. Wow. I made it. I apologize. I did this whole thing with Pudding Brain, and it was a mess. And, yeah, my thoughts are discombobulated, but we did it. I can't wait to talk about next week against the Vikings to see if the Jets were able to go up against a 9-2 and team from the NFC that's spicy and got all these different weapons and things. The Jets can match up against them perfectly, see what Mike White can do. Can the hot hand continue? And are we feeling really, really good looking at Buffalo for our second matchup of the year against them? 
Are we like in a down place? Like, oh shit, what are we gonna do? Buffalo upcoming. We got to figure something out. A lot, a lot will be figured out this week. This is a huge game. Very exciting. Meaningful games in December. Got to be happy about that. So, as always, rate, review, subscribe to this podcast. Anywhere podcasts are found, follow me on Twitter at Jets underscore Dan. That's all I got for this one. I'm Dan Burnham, and this is The Jet Life. (laughs) 